So you want to be a painter, but you know, we have this position as a bricklayer for you. So you might have a look at it. Yeah, the paycheck is like 10 times less what we advertised. But then again, you Mm -hmm. might love it. We are a wonderful team and a family for our employees. We are looking for passionate individuals (sighs) who are uh, willing to build a team from scratch. For no pay. (laughs) Slavery, how are you, girl? me back with another first time guest for this episode ladies gentlemen and those gloriously questioning raise your pom-poms for larissa (laughs) hey girl (laughs) how's it going awesome possum i will murder him not today, but someday. We will leave this in. So how are you holding up otherwise? Awesome. Awesome. Rowdy husband notwithstanding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We were just talking last night how I was crying in my bathtub four years ago because nobody wanted to hire me. Mm. And I felt really, really worthless. Let's call it what it was. And he was like, yeah, and look, now you're a cybersecurity project manager. And, uh, yeah, whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. He, he really knows how to comfort you, doesn't he? Yeah, <laughs> he, he's really supportive. And that helps a lot. Mm. Because I have super crazy ideas. And I'm like, yeah, I saw this software and I don't fit, but I will try it. And he's like, yeah, you can do it, girl. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, it helps. It really does. You know, I've invited you here because over the years we've bonded over several things like our mothers constantly disapproving of our every decision, but also about workplace shenanigans. The worst type of shenanigans, because you want to go to a workplace and feel like you're in a separate dimension Mm -hmm. where everything is professional, you're treated like an adult, and the problems you have to solve uh, test your competency every day. And it's usually not. It's usually a big hole of disappointments with (laughs) colleagues that you want to murder daily. So, yeah, yeah, we bonded over that one, too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And actually, for this episode, I want to tap you for uh, uh, this specific subject. So we're going to discuss scummy practices of employer, at least in this year country. I thought about it and I was wondering if it only happens in Romania or if it only happens in Cluj. Mm -hmm. And I saw that what happens now in Cluj is specific for towns and countries where they outsource types of jobs. Mm -hmm. So if you're in a place where creation is happening, you might not feel this. Mm -hmm. But if you're in Cluj-Bai, which is the Mumbai of (laughs) Romania, you might have really felt this, especially now when the hiring managers are extremely young. I saw a lot of ads for hiring managers and they are like 23, 24 or like 30s, but with zero experience in working with other people and with managing expectations. It's been really difficult, really difficult. Mm -hmm. Also, solidarity with our colleagues in Mumbai. Yeah, yeah, I I really feel them. I'm really sorry for what's happening to them too. It's not a race thing, it's just... 
Yeah, no, it's it's it's, it's just it, pain. It, it's common matter, pain. It's a matter of like a series of circumstances, unfortunate circumstances yeah. that keep happening in different parts of the world and that make the workplaces that people end up inhabiting not the best ones. Okay, so what recommends me to talk about this subject? Yes. Because we've all tried to get hired and that's not enough to talk about it. I've hired and married lots of my friends. <laughs> uh, I've hired five people this year. And by I've hired, I've helped them found jobs that really match their personalities and their competency. Also, their salary expectations. Mm -hmm. Because you might have an awesome job, but if you can't pay the bills, it's not that awesome anymore, is it? Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, And I've done this for the last 10 years. And what I've noticed, I usually work in the IT field. I don't really know how accountants or HR managers get hired. I've never done it and I've never tried it. By magic. Yeah. But I've done this for IT people and I've taken them from five, six hundred euros per month to maybe five thousand euros per month, which mm-hmm. I think is awesome to have somebody guide you through that. Mm-hmm. I'm a lawyer-ish type of person. I have legal studies, but I've never practiced. Mm-hmm. I've only helped my friends with legal stuff, friends and family. That's the best way to to channel that kind of yeah, skill set. <laughs> it, it, it takes a special type of person to be able to argue for somebody who you know <laughs> is is not what they're arguing for. <laughs> like, just, just take them to jail and throw them and throw the key away. Yeah. So, yeah, that's how we start. So uh, I have to confess, you've made it super easy to structure this discussion because you sent me quite a long list of examples sorted by criteria, no less, that you'd like to warn the good people about. So uh, let's uh, just sort of jump into this. I'll list them off first and then we can just get into it. each one of them. So the first one you've uh, titled the bait and switch tactic yeah. uh, many employers uh, use. Then it's uh, choosy beggars, but like the company edition, the bait and sell, which you said is job announcements that are actually ways to sell you a course or a product. Yeah. The six month long recruitment process, the five fucking interviews for an entry level job, the AI CV sorting, yeah, Yeah. stupid pitfalls and kinks, and then the super macombo, the choosy beggars that heavily rely on bait and switch tactics, positions that require you to have multiple personalities. red flags while applying for a new job, and things that are not exactly legal, but there isn't a law that forbids them. And of course, uh, the last thing uh, that we shall have fun with are your experiences with stupid questions uh, during interviews. Let's start off, I guess, with uh, the first one, with the bait and switch. What, what, What is it more exactly, and how can people experience it. Guys, just think about this. If they treat you like this during the interview where you have no connection with them, you don't pay the bills with their help, just think what happens when they hire you. So please take notes, be careful. This might happen to you. This might have happened to you. The bait and switch is they put a work requirement that you look at and it looks really nice. Like they ask for SQL, they ask for all the good stuff. And when you start interviewing, the HR person will tell you that, yeah, you know, this position is really nice, but you don't really fit. Mm. Although you know you fit, 
I mean, you know your CV, you know your experience, mm -hmm. and you know you fit. But they tell you, we have something else. They don't mention it's not going to be the payment that you like, or mm -hmm. the job is not going to be what they advertised. And they still try to make you take the interview. Okay. And you're like, yeah, but I would really like to take the interview for the position I've applied to. Do they at least pretend like they already have filled that initial no. vacancy? No. They no, they just, they just tell you that you're not a fit for that <laughs> position because they want to push you to have the interview with the team lead mm -hmm. for the other position. Okay. And they do this because they want overqualified people to work on a really easy position, but with entry-level payment. And they bank on the fact that you're searching for a job, maybe you're desperate. And once you get there, they will guilt you into remaining there one or two years mm -hmm. because they don't really offer training. They don't really offer any help. And once you start, you see that there are no procedures, there is no knowledge base, and you have to do everything freestyle. Um, this happened a lot, this session. It didn't really happen to me when I've applied to jobs, but it happened a lot to usually males age 25 five to 28, mm -hmm. they try to guilt trip them into accepting a job that's not what they aspire to. They try to, to sweet talk you mm -hmm. into taking a position that's not good. Also, please be careful if the picture of the human resource person on LinkedIn is like a supermodel type, oh, okay. like really, really cute. She's really beautiful with luscious hair. Mm -hmm. That's not something professional. That's not something that a professional human resource person would put on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. So it's a trap, guys. <laughs> yeah. And if you see that they are sacrificing forehead for cleavage, oh. that's a trap. <laughs> it, it is a practice. Yeah. Okay. It is a practice that they do to attract males uh -huh. that don't really have confidence in themselves. So they bank on putting some boobs and telling you, yeah, this is the only job we have. While smiling, you will never see that girl again. So don't worry. You, ha you, <laughs> you stand no chance. Don't, don't do it. So yeah. So they're banking on the savior complex that perhaps younger men uh, yeah. might have. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I never knew about this aspect. It doesn't really happen to females that mm -hmm. apply. So for example, if I have a position that I like, I usually ask two of the candidates I work with, like, please apply to this, please mm -hmm. apply to this, and I compare the results. They won't even call the female, although she would be really qualified. She has a similar CV, mm -hmm. so similar uh, experience, so she would be qualified. Mm -hmm. They will not call her. Do you think that this is like bias that they are conscious of, or like you said? Uh, uh... Because they are thinking that the female might know the tactic, mm -hmm. and another female looking luscious will not work. This is my take on it. It mm. might not be completely accurate, but this is how I saw the process mm. going. And the bait and switch might be, yeah, we have a business analyst position that's really interesting and you will work with the developers and you will work with the design people. And when you get there, yeah, but we also have a data entry position that you might love. Mm. And you're like, I might not because I know myself yeah. and I fucking hate it. <laughs> so, yeah. So you want to be a painter, But, you know, we have this position as a bricklayer for you. So you might have a look at it. Yeah, the paycheck is like 10 times less what we advertised. But then again, you mm -hmm. might love it. We are a wonderful team and a family for our employees. We are looking for passionate individuals <sighs> who are uh, willing to build a team from scratch. For no pay. <laughs> <laughs> Slavery. How are you, girl? <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, so the next one is called Choosy Baggers, the company edition. 
What does this one look like? When you see a job description that you scroll and you scroll mm. and it never ends and you scroll again, mm. you're like, oh my God, does this website ever end? <laughs> like it might be a choosy beggar. So it, basically it's almost like they're looking for a life partner instead of an actual employee. I don't think I have <laughs> such a list for a life partner. So yeah. <laughs> they are looking for somebody to fulfill like three to five roles mm-hmm. all at the same time. And not complain. for entry level pay. I'm assuming. for entry level mm-hmm. pay, and they would like them to be happy about it, and also like to be belittled from time to time from the manager or from the owner of the business. So a highly competent and polymath masochist, basically. Exactly, exactly. And they are also when you see companies complain on LinkedIn, like we can't hire people. Nobody wants to work. Nobody wants to work anymore. Yeah. Millennials don't want to work. Yeah. Yeah, it's usually a choosy beggar because mm-hmm. if they would have that job description, but pay, they want you to be an entrepreneur, but work for a paycheck. That doesn't work mm-hmm. like that because if you're an entrepreneur, you want a part of the pie yeah. and you would also like your input to be appreciated. They usually don't appreciate input. They like you to just dream what they are thinking about mm-hmm. um, and execute it flawlessly in a way that they couldn't themselves actually execute. So basically their idea of of democracy in the workplace is you basically voicing their own thoughts that they don't even actually manifest in their heads. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It makes perfect sense. <laughs> and uh, these are the jobs from hell. <laughs> If you have the misfortune of being selected for such a thing, just think twice. You might be better off just putting merchandise on a shelf because mm-hmm. your mental health is worth more. You will see this type of job with a super pompous job description, like we want a ninja programmer, <laughs> a rock star, wherever the fuck. And you're when, wherever you see rock star yeah. before a title, mm-hmm. like buyers beware, like, mm-hmm. just don't, you know, like, okay, I, I'm fine, I'm fine, let it go. Uh, whenever you see a ninja something something, oh God. Just, just don't. Like, just don't. And they, they do know that ninjas were assassins, right? And they were mercenaries also. So <laughs> <laughs> they demanded payment yes, for their services. Yes. So they were loyal, but they mm-hmm. still demanded payment. Yeah. What a job description like this might look like. We would like you to be a back-end, front-end programmer uh, with accountants, proficiency also speak english and german preferably french (laughs) oh you will work during weekends and be loyal and also don't forget that we do not pay extra hours worked and if you don't work those extra hours um, you will be in a meeting with the owner where the owner will tell you while looking in your eyes from his Tenerife vacation mm-hmm. that you suck What what's this thing with the extra hours that don't get paid because this this is not exactly this legal is a, this is a trend they, they tell you that you have to be loyal whenever you read job description it and, sounds very toxic like. yeah <laughs> and they, they demand loyalty like i'm really sorry but you're not my mom or the mob yeah they understand through loyalty that if they took a really big project that they've underestimated the work Mm -hmm. that requires and they've underestimated the payment that the client should have been invoiced for you need to be there to correct the mistake on your time and on your time Mm -hmm. even though it was not your mistake from the beginning 
And there's a lot of people who do this, especially super beginners. And whenever you see serial entrepreneur buyers beware, whenever you see we go above and beyond buyers beware. Oh, God. Uh, so there are a lot of words of buzzwords that when are used, you should know that this will be a lot of work for so little pay. Mm-hmm. Also, when you manage to successfully save a project like this, and you imagine that this was the last project like this, and then they will learn and they will mm-hmm. estimate better. It's not. It is the company policy to work like this and to extract as much as possible from the workers. They are getting it all wrong. I mean, you should extract as much as possible from the customer. Yeah. They should pay for what they get, right? Like for when you buy a bread, you're expected to pay for the water, for the wheat, for the salt, for the work, for the gas, for the transportation. So they try to put, for example, the work on the worker, the wheat on the people who plow the fields and so on. Yeah, I, 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 I know that in a previous episode about, again, about the IT industry, we've talked about how in many cases the sort of CEOs or managers of these companies are like the sons or daughters of very rich people and they're just given a company to sort of play around with and uh, they don't have the competency, as you said, because you should be able to extract the most from your clients and have them pay the full cost of what you're delivering instead of, you know, putting the burden on your workers. But the uh, thing is that obviously they just say, yes, we can do it. We want the commission, we want the money. And then the workers end up with the unmanageable workload or with the fucked up schedule as well. Um, I will tell you what I know from Cluj. A lot of big companies, multinational companies that you wouldn't expect this to happen there are actually filled with nepotism. Mm -hmm. And usually the... Shocker for Romania. And usually the top 10% of the managers are married or brothers or something something Mm -hmm. so the wife the friend the wife's friend the whatever Mm -hmm. the lover the mistress and Mm -hmm. so on Mm -hmm. and for example i've had the misfortune to work under the mistress of somebody who was the project manager i see she knew nothing about project management and she was just you know today we will do this and we need it done today and I wouldn't do it because I knew that tomorrow she'll say, well, you you don't need to work on that one anymore because we have another urgency. Okay. And I was just saying, yes, yes, we're going to do it. Because after the first week, I understood that she knew nothing. Mm-hmm. I, I knew the project really well. I knew the technical part. And I knew that what she was saying was not correct. So I let her spin her wheels for six months until she was replaced by somebody who was competent. And my colleagues were all burnt out. Mm-hmm. I did absolutely nothing during that project. I just sit on my ass and relax because I know that anything that I do doesn't matter. Uh, th- these are these sort of fake emergencies. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's all fake. So uh, the deadlines are fake. The project is fake. Mm-hmm. Everything is fake and doesn't matter. So you have to really put that to heart. Don't take it like gospel, you know, when I see people, oh, but it's a deadline. Is it though? Mm -hmm. Is it though? Who said that? And the client demanded. And you look at the emails because sometimes you have access to the emails with the Mm -hmm. client and you're like, no, they didn't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, they didn't. Also, a very bad practice is that no client coaching is being done. What is client coaching? Well, the client wants something 
but they don't really know what they want. Mm -hmm. So you have to sit with them a lot in the beginning to crystallize the project because they will come with buzzwords like, I want some crypto cloud development. (laughs) And you're like, that's not how it works. Yay. And you have to give them the crypto cloud development of what reality looks like make them extremely happy about the result because Mm -hmm. they are actually looking for something completely different from what they came to you for. And then your team will be happy, the client will be happy, and everybody is happy, but you have to be competent. So you actually have to know what you're doing, which is rare. So I'm really curious about the third thing that you mentioned, the thing where companies sort of put on a, an announcement for a job, but actually when uh, when they contact you, it turns out that they want to sell you something. Do tell me about this one. Yeah, the bait and sell. Well, the bait and sell comes in two shapes. There are some MLM people, oh, okay. multi-level marketing at, at mm-hmm. its best. And there's also some people who sell knowledge, citing Ty Lopez. <laughs> Do you know what I I have knowledge. Knowledge. <laughs> so, uh, some courses. Does knowledge pay the rent? Not really, mm. though. Last time I checked, no. Mm. They don't accept payments in knowledge. Yeah. It's the new crypto shit. Yeah. Knowledge. <laughs> no, it's the new NFT. Mm-hmm. Like. Yeah, yeah. And the knowledge thing is beyond anything you could have ever imagined. Does this have a religious component as well? Or is it just sort of not mo- motivational speaker sort of stuff? Not necessarily. It's not even motivational. They try to hunt for people that are desperate. For example, in IT, it's notorious that you don't actually need to go to college or have Mm -hmm. any courses if you have the experience and you can get the experience for free and you can learn everything and anything you ever need for free in a wonderful manner. But they try to tell you that if you have this course or if you would have that course, you would be more employable. And you're like, yeah, but how about a job now? Because the announcement they had was for a job. They're like, yeah, but you do this course that you pay and then it the course will help you get a job. But do they actually have a company, a working company that delivers any sort of services or products? No, no, besides, no, no. no. So it's just basically a way to sell a course. Exactly, exactly. Oh, okay. And, and uh, how does it actually happen? Like they call you and you believe it's for the application and yeah. they just start cold yeah. selling you stuff? Yeah, and it's not even cold selling because this is, I have a lot of experience with selling and this is why I'm annoyed. This is not cold selling because Mm -hmm. cold selling would mean that they've never had contact with you Mm -hmm. but they actually had because they're asking you for a favor first Mm -hmm. so you have to put your cv they're asking you to invest emotionally in them Mm -hmm. so this to me is extremely sleazy as we've talked over the years about all these uh, things that now we've assembled in an interview format uh, i think there's a lot of toxicity but i mean as in toxic behavior outright toxic behavior that is for formalized into these recruiting procedures and because uh, as you said they make you invest emotionally in something they target people who might be vulnerable either because they are young or because they are inexperienced or because they might be you know in a difficult uh, financial situation so yeah it's really creepy stuff and the problem with this is that after you have contact with them this is a really good sales tactics for example after you have contact uh, with somebody and you've volunteered work effort time Mm -hmm. you are so much more vulnerable to a message like you're not enough because this is what they are telling you Mm -hmm. 
you are not enough as you are, you need X. Mm -hmm. And that's a lie. Mm-hmm. And that's a lie. And uh, another parenthesis regarding the toxicity. I've seen how it propagates live. In order to be a manager, you have to have some psychopathic treats because you have to walk on some of your colleagues. You have to do what you have to do mm-hmm. in order to be the manager because there are only so many managerial positions. Yeah. And usually a small startup, because it's made of people who are young, believes that we need a corporate manager to help us grow. And they go and extract a toxic piece of shit manager from the corporate world (laughs) and implant it into their startup. And the toxicity starts all over again. Mm -hmm. And I've seen this firsthand working in a startup that did exactly this. And Mm -hmm. they didn't even need to do that. I mean, they were doing really awesome and they didn't need to bring that person in, but they did. And all over again, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's it's like deja vu. You just see it happening before your eyes. From the point of view of like the top dogs in uh, each company, I guess it makes sense because you want someone who is enamored enough with the amount of power you're giving them over their colleagues in order for them to then not think back on the time that they were a plain worker, so to speak, and just really, you know, put the whip on everyone else's back. Because otherwise, if you uh, select someone who is popular with their uh, mates or who, you know, is asking uncomfortable questions, is being critical, is voicing any sort of concerns, then potentially for yourself, you know, as a very narrow-minded, self-interested CEO, manager, whatever, you might be forced to uh, negotiate, make concessions or maybe change things around. It's all in the turnover. You have to ask yourself how much turnover costs you every year mm-hmm. because a worker will actually produce value you need you need them at least 6 months mm-hmm. on that position for a competent worker to go into a project and fit with a team and actually work well you need about 6 months mm-hmm. so if you have a turnover that affects this because you invest 6 months and then maybe you have 2 months of productivity from that person and then you have to invest again in finding somebody else because yeah. they quit you also have to take into consideration that it costs a lot. Uh, You will not have stable teams, so you will not be a ninja or a rock star. (laughs) Um, When you will go into a new project, nobody knows what they have to do. It will take way longer than permanent team that works really well together. So this has to be taken into consideration too. Yeah, you might be tempted to say, we put a psychopath, they whip everybody into shape, but this is not slavery and people can actually quit. And once a good person quits and they take after them 12 people from your 20 people team, things might get shaky. Mm -hmm. It might get shaky. There are companies that do this really well, that respect their workers and are good places to work. No place to work is wonderful because it's work. Yeah, sure. So, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We don't dream of labor. I I don't. I I certainly don't. There are workplaces that actually emphasize the well-being of the person Mm -hmm. and they 
think about it like, yeah, if we lose too many people at once because we are assholes and those people tell other people, beware, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and we cannot recruit at the rate we lose people, we might have an issue. So yeah, but going back to, to our theme, the bait and sell, guys, if somebody does this to you, just don't answer the phone. Like you, you've answered the phone, just close the phone on them. Mm-hmm. Don't be like, oh my God, but this is a real human being. Yeah, it's a real human scammer that's mm-hmm. trying. Are, are you doing the same with the with Nigerian prince? <laughs> You're not. So d- don't have that because if it doesn't work, they will stop because it takes a lot of money to put those ads on LinkedIn, to have a call center with people that actually answer the phone and call you and try to bait you in. So if you just close the phone on their ass, you will be fine. Yeah. Nothing bad happens. You don't have it. You don't have to send it to 30 people. It's okay. <laughs> like, just, just don't. So we have the six-month-long recruitment. I've just had two of these. Um, This is so painful because the six-month period recruitment is a long, long con. Three more months and you can bring it to term. Uh, (laughs) If if you're smart, you can actually launch a business and see your first money in six months. But they con you again and again and again to keep you waiting. And this is also a very good move on their part. I mean, not on your part, obviously. Because they make you invest a lot of yourself into the process because you've waited for uh, so long. It's the sunken cost thing, right? Because you feel like I've gone to so many tests and interviews for these guys and they've hyped up the whole shebang for a a while and now I have to, you know, I have to pursue it till the bitter end. And it also might be a long series of bait and switch. Mm -hmm. Like, oh my God, you were such a wonderful fit, but we have somebody else from inside the company, Mm -hmm. but we have another position lined up for you. And in a month you could start here. So you only have to interview with X and then you're good to go Mm -hmm. and everything will be just fine surprise it won't (laughs) so yeah uh, this happened with two multinationals for the same person that I'm helping Mm -hmm. with I know the work environment from there and I know everything from there it's really toxic we've only tried to get hired there for the interview experience because they've never had lots of interviews and you have to be relaxed in order to perform well in an interview and actually take a job that is above what you're doing now Mm -hmm. so I told him okay, we're going to put our CV here, they will call, but be prepared because they are assholes. And they were, they did not disappoint. Mm. But we had like seven interviews with one company and about 12 with the other. Okay. So he learned a lot about being relaxed, smiling. Um, he had a problem where he was throwing his eyes, you know. Oh, rolling his eyes. Rolling his eyes mm-hmm. whenever a question was like stupid. Mm-hmm. And now he learned to smile and wave. Smile and wave, mm-hmm. boys. <laughs> Kowalski status report. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's been a blessing on this front. But I can't imagine actually trying to get hired with them and they behaving like that towards you. Mm-hmm. I 
I would be appalled. Even if an offer comes, I would never sign with them. I mean, it took you six months. I think at least with age, I guess, as you gain a bit more experience as a employee, so to speak, as a worker, you realize that, well, the hunches or the, the feelings, that mm, feeling you get when you are mistreated, that's a sign that you should really consider uh, when you think about accepting an offer or not, irrespective even maybe of the salary that might be okay. Because at the end of the day, if you find yourself in a situation where you're dealing with people who disregard you as a human being, uh, you're going to suffer and it's going to not be worth it. Usually the salary with this shitty companies is really low. So Mm -hmm. the compensation will never be a factor. But the thing is, um, this is a mentality that happens a lot in Romania. The parents really force you into, oh my God, you received an offer. How could you leave a job after six months or three weeks Mm -hmm. or two hours? Like, guys, if you went in and it sucks, it's okay. Also, I guess it's a generational thing because they were used to... Working uh, at the same place. Working in the same place and they they didn't have to worry to find a job because uh, before uh, the revolution, they just were allocated jobs uh, based on their academic achievements or if they didn't go to, to university on their high school scores or things like that. So, and, and as you said, they would work for years and years and years and maybe until retirement at the same factory or shop or things like that. So it's very strange for some of them to, to even imagine you quitting a job because oh you're a snowflake you feel like you don't like it why you have to grind your teeth and get through it yeah but you know somewhere uh, in the back of your mind that voice will always somehow make its presence mm-hmm. i mean i know somebody who uh, lasted for six months at the company until they had a full-blown skin condition oh. on their face mm-hmm. because the stress was horrible and the parents were like okay I give up you should quit and <laughs> 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 so, I, I was like I would have gone there I I've actually quit the job after three weeks mm-hmm. and I'm happy I did it because mm-hmm. people there presented the job in the interviews as something else than it actually was mm-hmm. I knew that I don't want to be there for a year and a half Mm -hmm. and hate every day of that year and a half. So I went and got another job that I loved. And that works wonderful for me and wonderful for the people that I work with. And everybody's happy. So it's okay. Think about it like dating. Like, (laughs) if you don't like, if you hate the person, would you be like, yeah, but I have to last for two years because the next person will think I'm a scumbag. No, they won't. They will think you're a scumbag if you go there for two years and then are super stressed and behave like an asshole because you're so stressed out. (laughs) So, yeah. Also, I want to talk a little about job hopping if Mm -hmm. we are here. You know, in IT, job hopping is not really frowned as it used to be. But just think about this. If you work in a company for 10 years Mm -hmm. and you get promoted, for example, first time after six months, next time after a year and some, and so on, would that be considered job hopping? Mm -hmm. No, it would be considered opportunity. Yeah. But if you do the same in different companies because the companies you're working in do not offer that types of opportunities, mm-hmm. you're a job hopper. Like, sorry, guys, 
<laughs> I, I have the, the same the, the same experiences as the other person. They had the luck to be in a company that grew really fast. That singles out, that singles you out as a demanding person. Yeah, demanding. Come on. <laughs> so, yeah. So don't be ashamed if your job hopped a little. You don't have to put all the experience that you've ever worked on your CV. For example, if you're now an IT person, a technical support or whatever, and you've worked in Polus selling something during high school, you don't have to put that on your CV. <laughs> yeah. If you worked for three weeks somewhere and you've hated your guts there and just don't want to mention that, it's okay. Yeah, nobody it's likes okay. an overly long CV because nobody has a stupid CV. Like I, I've, I, I saw CVs where people were trying to boost something that was like one month, mm-hmm. a one month experience in sales, and it was like, so what, 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 what did you do in one month? Because mm-hmm. for me to create a funnel and actually see results in sales takes six months, and I actually know what I'm doing. So. What did you do in one month? Mm-hmm. Meet the people, drink their coffee. <laughs> so it's, it's just useless. Mm-hmm. So when you're creating your CV, try to look at your CV from this perspective too. Mm-hmm. Like if, if, I, if I would receive this CV, would I want to know that this person worked for six weeks selling mm-hmm. cakes? Yeah. Not really. So yeah, this is the... The long con. Yeah. <laughs> the very long con. And a lot of people are doing it. So I, I, I don't know if it's a trend of they are just not prepared to hire yet. Mm-hmm. Because I've also had this long con played. And the hiring manager said something like, yeah, but now we are revamping the entire company. And mm-hmm. it's not a company. It's a multinational giant uh, that has 20,000 workers. And we don't really know if these positions will like, exist. I don't really know if I'm ready to commit to another exactly. relationship. <laughs> exactly. And I was like, guys, guys, you've advertised you've paid money to linkedin (laughs) to advertise the positions for four fucking months and you've kept this person six months in Mm -hmm. interviews and i was saying we're we don't know if the position will exist do you exist (laughs) is this a con does the company actually exist i want to see some papers like i said it's toxic behavior formalized and made into you know a recruitment process Okay, and now we will slide into the five interviews for an entry-level job. (laughs) Guys, when somebody wants to test your English, and you're not entry-level, you've worked in a lot of jobs, and it's not like, uh, now can we switch to English for a bit and talk? They send you a full test Mm -hmm. with questions. You got to get out of that situation. Like, What sort of questions? Are they relevant to the job or just... No, 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 just... English questions for complete the sentence and pick the right word and stuff like that. Like what? If you, like <laughs> if you have to do that, you're 26 and this is not your first job. Abort mission. So how this might look? This is not the bait and switch. This is for a single position. Like you have a screening with the HR manager that mm-hmm. should last for five minutes. Only it lasts 45. Then you have an interview with somebody from the team that is playing on their phone and doesn't listen to you while you talk. And is that part of their scheme as well? Yeah, that's the second interview. The third interview, it's with the team lead. They also put themselves on mute and talk on the phone while you answer the questions. And if you stop, they make a sign with their hand like, go on, go on. Oh my God. Yeah. 
Yeah, it happens. <sighs> then you're, you have an interview with the CEO and the CEO is eating peanut butter with a spoon from the jar while telling you how awesome the company is mm -hmm. and how they can't wait to launch a new product and do this and do that. And then you go back in the fifth interview with the HR lady who you've told your... to test your English. Yeah, and who you've told your whole life since you were inside your mama's womb <laughs> and inside your daddy's you-know-what. And you're like, guys, what's left? And then they tell, yeah, we still have a short English test. You know, I actually had something similar, but it was not to this extent. But when I was uh, living in Bucharest, uh, I went to this interview And the guy was like, okay, I'm going to test your English now. And he made me read <laughs> a Shakespeare sonnet. Well, like, <laughs> okay, I will read it, but it, because I was, I don't know, 20 something. I was, I did it, but I was kind of confused because it had nothing to do with the job. And I thought that it would have been a much better way to actually test my English by having a conversation. But maybe Obviously. his English wasn't that good. I don't know what the fuck was going on there. So, well, uh, you might find. Uh, hiring managers that are supposed to test your English or your German, but they don't actually speak English or German. Mm -hmm. And they ask you a question. You can see their pupils dilating <laughs> because they don't understand what you're saying. I've had this for German. And they say, yeah, yeah, it, it, it was fine. But you can see that nothing happened inside their little brain. <laughs> and they move on. So, yeah, whenever you see that it's super excessive, like you have to talk to so many people mm -hmm. and the job description usually changes from person to person you talk to, mm -hmm. that's extremely sketchy. Is this also a way to sort of hype themselves up? Like, look at us, we are so exclusive. It's so it's so difficult to get into this place. And no, it, no? It's, it's usually the type of job that nobody has anything to do because there's no work to be done. <laughs> and it's usually companies that are slowly dying, but want to hire because the owner wants to sell the company and wants to plump it up and look like... Oh, like yeah. a supernova company. Exactly. <laughs> And when you get there, you see that all the work is busy work mm -hmm. and you're not actually working on a project project. You're working on literally copy pasting stuff from an Excel to the other or copy pasting from Excel to PowerPoint. And there's no actual work being done. Uh, this is These are usually the companies that make you interview a lot because nobody has anything to do and they try to make themselves look busy by interviewing, interviewing people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and also they have a lot of people leaving the company and they're like yeah we haven't screened everybody properly this is why people are leaving it's not because we have nothing to do and you you've done nothing all day for the last six months and you're like when I'm interviewing for the next position and they ask me okay but what did you do there I'm like nothing man I've cleaned my kitchen I don't know <laughs> you know so yeah it's usually the sign of a really bad company How an interview should look is a five-minute screen with the HR so that they determine you are the person who actually applied. Then you have an interview that's usually a combination of the manager that you will have, somebody mm -hmm. from your team, and somebody that you will work with or your manager's manager. If it's more than five people on an interview, it's bad because it means that nobody has any work to do. Mm -hmm. And they are trying to ultra screen because people are living in droves. droves. Yeah. So if you have more than three interviews total, it might be bad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the company might be shitty. Yeah. And the problem is because when you when you 
change your job. You're thinking, okay, I will go there, I will be able to uh, do new stuff, and in a year I can take on more responsibility and maybe ask for a raise, and so I don't have to job hop. If the company is dying, you are forced to job hop. This Mm -hmm. is what's happening in Cluj. This is why job hopping is not so frowned upon, Mm -hmm. because... You cannot ask for a raise because you've done nothing for a year Mm -hmm. and you're bored and you feel like I haven't written a professional email in like five months. I don't know how to do that even. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. In a way, not giving you actual projects to do. They don't train you anyhow. You're not able to grow as a professional. So they keep you trapped that way. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And uh, you have to know that the most money you will ever make in your career, it's between your 30s and your 40s. Mm -hmm. And if you don't reach a very good level when you're in in your 30s, chances are you will be stuck in a job that you hate and you will not have the skills because things happen. Family happens. Life happens. You get older. You you just stop wanting to try, you know, after you have five or seven jobs that didn't work out. You start thinking it's you, although it might not be you. Mm -hmm. It might be that, okay, you didn't make the best choices, but how were you supposed to know? Because when you ask your parents, it's like, they offered you a job, you should take (laughs) it, you know? And you're like, okay. And also so many things have changed over the course of the last 20, 30 years years uh, because my parents don't understand my job really well and I had to explain what I'm doing Although it's not that complicated, I write stuff. But because the way that the system and the, the society was structured under communism, they don't know what the fuck. I And I don't even know many of the jobs that I, you know, I see advertised. And I read the description that should help me understand what the job title <laughs> implies. And I don't get it. Like something, something, innovation, expert, something, something, consultant, something, something. Like what... What am I actually doing besides, I don't know, being a ninja or something? Usually nothing. (laughs) So so if the job description is really long-winded, it's usually because you do nothing, because they don't know what you should do. And they don't really know why they hired you. They knew they have to hire somebody because a SOC analysis is due or they want to launch an EPO or whatever they want to do, but they don't have a clear vision because they've hired some manager that did nothing for the last 15 years besides being toxic. That keeps a man busy. So yeah, and um, this is how, how things go wrong. But usually what I do, how I look for jobs that usually work out well for me is I don't put keywords in. Mm -hmm. I just read every job that's there. For example, I put Cluj-Napoca and last 24 hours. I do this every day. I've done this every day for the last four years. Mm -hmm. And this is how I help my clients also. Mm -hmm. Because if I don't read every job and every job description, also I know the companies. For example, I know just jump over some of them because they will Mm -hmm. never call back. Or even if you have an interview, they will never hire somebody. Well, they have that position open for the last two years, which is really sketchy mm-hmm. because in Cluj, you couldn't find a DevOps in two years. Fuck off. Uh, <laughs> you know, so 
I know what to look for, but I also look daily mm -hmm. and I look at every job description because the title might be misleading. And I do this incognito because they will track you and they will only show you some jobs, not all the jobs. For example, the difference between uh, using my browser without incognito and using it with incognito is a 700 jobs difference. Wow. Only for Cluj. That's quite something. And guys, don't worry because about... A thousand new jobs are posted every day for Cluj Napoca, but beware because the job might be posted by the company, a company they hired mm -hmm. to post the job and might be some leftover job posting from who knows when. So if you apply five times to the same job, it's fine. It's mm -hmm. not excessive. Like, be the creepy ex-girlfriend. <laughs> like, just just do it, you know? This was the secret for the longest time. And yeah, it takes a lot of time and it's boring, but it's what I do for, for the people I help. Mm -hmm. So it might work for you. It worked for a lot of people. Okay, so you told me about these programs that companies use to sort through CVs and how hackable they are. Well, it's easily hackable because you can uh, just create your CV, take the text from uh, there, from their uh, job, job posting, mm -hmm. and just paste it in your CV in white. In white? Uh, yeah. Oh, so have so they it don't... invisible? Yeah. But... Oh, Okay. Um, and with a super small font and just send the CV and it will get selected, but <laughs> it's stupid. Yeah, so it I, I've seen, I know a company who's, who does this so much and now they're at the level where they ask people on LinkedIn to talk directly to their future team lead because nobody applies to their jobs. Everybody applied to a job sometimes in the last 10 years because they have a long presence in Cluj and nobody got called. And you start to think that they're trying to collect data or whatever and they're not actually hiring so you don't apply to them anymore and they kind of get desperate because nobody wants to work there but it, it's not that nobody wants to work there they have filters that mm -hmm. disregard the CVs and the, the sad part is that they do HR and benefits software oh. so I'm like <laughs> bad at their own game yeah and I'm like man this is so sad like if somebody purchases the software they will replicate the issue mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that you have and it's awful the HR people there are super nice mm -hmm. I went to an interview there because they know how to hack stuff and it was wonderful the, the HR people were actually smart and compassionate and knew mm -hmm. what they were doing but nobody's applying <laughs> I'm guessing uh, someone in the company probably someone higher up was uh, convinced by a friend to uh, buy this software and probably you know I know the uh, owner and the founder and the story is really interesting but it doesn't fit with our theme if mm. you want i can come and yeah. tell you horror stories about multinational companies and how they are <laughs> an inbred mess <laughs> but uh, this is next for episode folks next episode <laughs> inbred mess <laughs> with larissa mihar <laughs> so yeah <laughs> so yeah it, it's just like the kardashians mm -hmm. only corporate 
So yeah, this, this is the problem with AI. You can hack it, hack it like this. I do recommend you to hack it. So if you've applied like three times to a company, you know you're a fit. Like you look yeah. at your CV and you look at the posting, you're like, oh my God, it's the same. <laughs> and you see that nobody's calling you. You just take the text. This has a bit of a rom-com dynamic to it. Like, yeah. you know, like the boy and the girl, they meet and they hate each other, but everyone else knows that they are the right yeah, fit match. for them. <laughs> <laughs> but the AI is standing between, between them. them. Oh, the the devil. <laughs> so the workplace might be okay, but you might not be getting through that mm-hmm. pesky AI. Mm-hmm. So just do it and have no remorse. So you should have a CV that's hacked for that. Mm-hmm. And then when the recruiting manager contacts you, you should have a CV with your picture and tell them I will also send you my CV that has been updated. There oh. might be no updates. Just you've deleted the fucking white text. <laughs> I see, I see, I so, see. Just be a little sneaky uh-huh. about it and it will work and you might be really happy there. So don't, they might be assholes, but don't discriminate them because some people are bigger assholes. So <laughs> uh, this affects all the jobs that are corporate in the true sense of the word. Mm-hmm. So if it's a company that has 10,000 plus globally, this is happening. And we are back. <laughs> back, back, back. We back, were back never again. gone. Yeah. We went to a, for a toilet break. But. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, the next super combo. Uh, choosy beggars that bait and switch. <laughs> this is a different type of bait and switch. We talked before about the, I will play on how insecure you are and I will bait and switch you down. Mm-hmm. This is a bait and switch in multiple job descriptions. So you will do the job of three people that you're not qualified to do. <laughs> <laughs> and it's usually you put your CV. There's nobody super attractive or whatever. They just call you, hey, uh, the opportunity is actually much awesome that we've talked about. And you will also have the opportunity to do this, that, and the other. They talk about it as it is an opportunity mm-hmm. to work more for the same money. <laughs> and you're like, awesome. And how about the money? Well, the first six months, we need to see if you're a fit or whatever. Well, you called me. I'm supposed to be a fit, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, one would guess so. Yeah. And then they will tell you, yeah, but a colleague just quit. Mm. Yeah, but I'm not trained. Yeah, but you will do just fine. Yeah, it's... And they, just another peasant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You will just get stuck with doing three job descriptions that don't have anything in common and also do the training for anybody new that mm. will join. I've had somebody that had this happened and they also had buyer's remorse because they thought they were paying too much the person. I've told him, yeah, but ne- please renegotiate the salary. They at least have to give you 25% more mm-hmm. because you're doing the job of three people. And he did that. And when he asked for more money to do the training they were like but we're already paying you so much it was like yeah but i'm already working like 80 hours a week so if i take this payment per hour the guy at mcdonald's makes a lot more than me and i'm doing some business analysis that's really complicated and i've not been trained to do i supervise 50 people in nigeria and now i'm stuck with training somebody new and covering for a colleague that left the company Mm -hmm. so it's not that much but they were playing it like they were 
doing him a favor. And it's not an, isol an isolated incident. I've saw this happening a lot. And please ask the colleagues that have done training for you if they received something. For example, when I get hired, they tell me, yeah, you will also have to do training. I know that I will not get paid extra. But if I'm not the team lead, I'm not the technical lead for a project, I suppose I'm not going to do training because I'm not the best at that job mm -hmm. from the company. And if they ask me to do training, that's bad. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm, I'm supposed to be some mediocre person from the project or somebody who does some side work from the project, not the core of the project. And now I'm doing training and I'm not getting paid extra for that. But this is all a family and we help one another. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't you have your little brother? No, I don't. <laughs> I actually have a little brother and I don't. <laughs> Because I've learned my lesson. So, <laughs> yeah. So you have to, to take into account that if that's happening while you're interviewing, and if that's happening in the first three months, you should have not stopped looking for a job. Also, I always tell people, when you sign the contract, you are not stopping the look for a job because you don't know how that job will play out. Yeah. And you might need to quit because the people are crazy there. Mm -hmm. And they played you into getting into the job. Everybody was on their best behavior. And once you're there, it's craziness. So you don't stop looking for a job until you are happy. In the first six months, you don't really know. Mm -hmm. But after that, things settle and you start loving what you're doing and the money is okay and everything is fine okay you, you can stop but if in the first six months you don't really know if you want to be there it's free to apply apply <laughs> don't feel guilty don't yeah feel, yeah you shouldn't feel guilty the next one we have a position that requires you to have multiple personalities mm, okay this one this one should be interesting uh this usually happens in startups they say they are startup but they're not in small companies that say they are small companies but they are not <laughs> that try to trick you so many layers of deceit yeah, they will tell you when you get hired that we are a small company startup and we would need you to do this, that and the other. For example, develop software, help the business part, finding clients and selling software. And they might also tell you that you might also need to do some planning for hiring. So basically, uh, in the previous example, you had to do the job of many other people where he here, you have to do the job of several departments. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and they tell you, we are a small company startup. Mm -hmm. And when you hear that, you think, okay, there might be three to five, maybe 10 hires. Mm -hmm. And once we start hiring, I will quit those doing those jobs that I mm. don't want to do and I will focus on what I'm good at but when you get there you realize that the startup is a 12 year old company oh. that is small in the sense of having 250 employees and that you're a fucking sucker <laughs> mm. and you're stuck doing hiring and doing a lot of jobs that, for example, business development, if you're strictly a developer, if you like business development, like me, it's fine. 
but I go for business development and project management jobs Mm -hmm. because that's who I am. But if you're strictly a coder and, you know, you're maybe a little on the autistic spectrum and don't enjoy talking to people because Mm -hmm. you enjoy sitting in a room and coding Mm -hmm. and they try to force you to talk to people and HR and stuff, you will hate your life. You will hate yourself for doing that. Generally speaking, when they try to force you to do anything is, yeah. Yeah. And they tell you that it's temporary, but once you get there, you know it's not. Because how are you a startup 12 years later? (laughs) You should have aged out of it. Yeah. How are you a small company with 250 people that are working on three continents? Like, you're not. It's a Mm -hmm. lie. And you're preparing to be listed on the uh, exchange and whatever. It was all a lie. (laughs) It was all a lie. And do you know how you can't tell? Because people might be, yeah, but you can research the company. Sometimes you can. Sometimes they change the name so that you can't research them. For example, Mm -hmm. if they have, they made a name for themselves Mm -hmm. for being a bad employer or for Mm -hmm. being a big company that's playing the small card, they will change the name and split themselves into six companies that are a group. Um, I've worked in such... Consortium. I've worked in such a group and they were a big company that was playing the startup card. It was awful. So when you discover such things, you're not alone. We've all been there. (laughs) (laughs) And how can you avoid this? I truly think you can't. Mm -hmm. Because if you're inexperienced, and they don't go for 40-year-old people, Mm -hmm. they will go for young people because this is why they create the sex appeal of being a startup. And once you're there, you realize the mistake you've made. I'm really curious about this one. The not exactly legal, but there's no law against it uh, thing. Well, there are many, many things. For example, you can advertise a job with any job description that you would like. When you sign the contract, the job description might differ. And it's always a row that says you might have other responsibilities that are not listed here. Um, Which is a loophole for them burdening you with pretty much. Because they cannot change the job description in Romania without you approving the change of job description. So basically in Romania we have we have the Cayenne code uh, which lists uh, the job titles, job occupations that are sort of official. Yeah. It's uh, similar to the American NAICS code. I don't know uh, what the British one is called, but I'm, I'm guessing all countries Everybody have, has one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't know if the Romanian Kayan code is that restrictive. And it's they, not. No. So they probably just pick whichever fits their scope, I guess. But the, ca- the Kayan code, this is the, the real trick. Because the can code lists the name mm-hmm. of the job, sort of a general view of what you will mm-hmm. do. But the job description is actually the contract. I will do these activities for the amount of pay that I get. And when they put and any other thing that your manager might request you to, of course, that's illegal. If you want to be a developer and you see business development there, you might ask them, guys, I want it taken out. And I don't want a line that says, and any other jobs that my manager will tell me to do. So if the janitor is missing, am I washing the toilets that day? Or what does that mean? Because there were examples in Romania where in retaliation towards an employee, they made her break pieces of white paper in a room for eight hours a day. Oh, by hand, okay. you know, because uh, the contract said, 
of course it's illegal, but if you don't talk to a lawyer, you don't know that that's illegal. So she was turned into a shredder, a human she, shredder. She was turned into a human shredder and she was given that to do eight hours a day in a room by herself. Uh, she's the developer, if you're wondering. Fucking hell. Uh, and it was a retaliation because she flagged that a colleague was writing spaghetti code and that code was fucking up the entire system. And because that developer was the brother-in-law of uh, mm. the manager, this happened. She talked to me and I've sent her to a practicing lawyer mm -hmm. that could help her. And he did. And they paid a lot of money for turning her into a shredder. But she will never get over that emotional burden. Yeah. Because... She hasn't worked a day since. She can't make herself walk into the workplace. Mm -hmm. What that will do to you, nobody can pay for. Mm -hmm. I mean, she was 27 when that happened. So please read the job description because it might offer you <laughs> some perspective <laughs> mm -hmm. over how the company will treat you. That's all we got time for this episode. We're trying to keep it nice and short. Well, not exactly short, but we did go on for a while more, so if you want to hear some real-life examples of weird or shockingly bad interviews, tune in next time. Until then, we would greatly appreciate your support for this podcast, which you can demonstrate by rating, sharing, subscribing or following us. See you next time. Bye!